Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. I think it looks horrendous. It doesn't look anything like your bedroom. So sorry, but it's big thumbs down from me. No. I like it. No, I hate it. I don't like the tapestries. I don't like the red ceiling. What about you? You've got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. No. Oh, the hours, days, weeks and months I've been spending on DIY... And oh, I'm not talking about my own fixer-upper, but rather the endless stream of home improvement shows on my own small screen. Just like the reactions you heard there from the BBC hit show Your Home in Their Hands, these people put their trust and their homes into the often eclectic hands of these amateur interior designers. Like who could forget Changing Rooms, the iconic 90s series that's just returned to our screens, Yet you're about to hear that clip when all the teapots smashed, a crockery car crash, if you will. Only seconds after finishing in Linda's room, disaster struck. The added weight of all those books proved too much for the freestanding shelves. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. That is all our teapots. Oh no. That is all our teapots. Oh no. But let's not forget our own homegrown home improvement shows here in Ireland. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's a ridiculous figure. You came, first of all, with a fantastic plan. Mm. And now you're, you know, taking the whole lot away again. So there's no point in beating about the bush. One of my favourites there, when singer Daniel O'Donnell and his wife Magella enlisted the help of Room to Improve's one and only Dermot Bannon. And this brings me nicely on to why we're talking all things MDF, PVC and DIY, pulling down walls, tearing down windows today, because Irish audiences are now enjoying new seasons of both Room to Improve and Home of the Year. And we want to find out today why we love, love, love or why we love to hate these types of shows so much. I'm Denise Callanan and my judging panel, sorry, my guests, our Irish independent feature writer, Kirsty Blake-Knox, and TV critic, Chris Wasser. Guys, Ireland's obsession with home improvement shows. I am, full disclosure, the person that walks by people's houses when it's 7.15ish p.m. So you can see inside the houses when the lights are on, the curtains are off, and you can see where they put certain walls and furniture. Are we a nation of nosy people who want to look inside people's homes, Chris? Or is it just anecdotal that these home improvement shows do so well on Irish television? I think it's a little bit of both. I also walk down the street and if uh, this is going to make me sound like a weirdo, but if someone has their curtains open, you do check out, you know, oh, I, I quite like that bookcase or, or that television stand or the way they have that room decorated. And shows like Room to Improve and then also Home of the Year, which kind of gives you an expanded look at a, at a complete project first, uh, you know, from the outset, it does allow you to see 
what other people's tastes are like and how you would do things differently. And I think a lot of people maybe, you know, you Wallace has been saying this over the last couple of weeks, given that, you know, 400,000 people tuned into the new season of Home of the Year, that people are watching and thinking about hopefully having their own projects and maybe looking for inspiration. So there is a degree of nosiness, but also, you know, note-taking involved. How would I do things differently? Would I have my house decorated like that? Yeah, I mean, we all become the best critic on the couch looking at people's different design options in their houses, Chris. Kirsty, the ratings are on the increase for Room to Improve and Home of the Year and these types of shows. Do you think there's an element of that we've been stuck at home during the pandemic and this is a source of escape or what, what are your thoughts? One of the things that appeals is that they sell a very nice idea and it's this kind of fantasy that if you just sorted out the utility room or if you put a shape on the kitchen, your home will be better and by proxy, your life will also be better. And that is very appealing to people that if they just put in a little bit of work in their home, everything else is going to fall into place. I think people like that fantasy. Um, Obviously, it's one built on if you can afford to do these things. I think another reason, to be honest, Denise, these shows appeal is because they're very predictable and they're very repetitive. And we get a sense of reassurance when we watch them. Um, It's like toast TV. It's like comforting. It's not challenging. It's just easy to watch. And I think that is also part of the appeal. Plus, it is pushed relentlessly by RT. Like these programs we hear about them the whole time. Dermot, Hugh, they're always wheeled on to the late, late. And also they are given primetime slots. Um, a Sunday night after the nine o'clock news or any time on Sunday evening is absolutely the, the best, um, best ratings time for any program. It's why they put so many flagship shows like Love, Hate over the years, Smother, what have you, in these slots. It's because they do well. Yeah, exactly. Chris, what Kirsty said there is quite interesting. Comfort television. There's never really a shock in the shows, is there? Like it does, especially in Ireland, they tend to kind of cover the same narrative of you meet the couple, you see the design. There's inevitably a financial glitch or an issue, but it's all resolved by the end of the hour long television. Do you think it's as simple as they're following this narrative? Oh, absolutely not. Um, and I think it, what was interesting about the first episode of this new season of, of, of Room to Improve, and there were very few interesting things about it, uh, was that the at the end, you're told after all of the stresses, and this was a particularly stressful one because it was a project for Lisa and Mark Daly that began in 2018 and just ended at the, at the end of 2021. I think that might be the longest stretch in Room to Improve history because, you know, the pandemic got in the way. At the end of all of these, you know, budget concerns and, you know, lockdowns getting in the way and, and, the, and the family having to commute from loud every day for school and for work, you were told, well, they got there. They got the dream house. They came on their budget and everything worked out just fine. But it's down to the producers and the editors to just stress the hell out of us for an hour. So it, it, there is a certain amount of comfort in it, but I would actually describe home to I would actually describe home of the year as the comfortable show. Um, although, you know, there are signs now with a new judge that, you know, there, there's going to be a little bit of tension. There's going to be fireworks. And I quite like when, you know, these three articulate, you know, polite, well-spoken judges stand in the living room and, and argue over what they would have done differently. With Room to Improve, I think it's gone very stale. And, and I think that a lot of that might be down to the fact that I would love to have a pint or a cup of tea with Dermot Bannon, the real Dermot Bannon, because I don't think I've ever met him. I think what we've seen is the version of himself that he plays on television and also that he plays up to because people want, you know, 13, 14 years into this thing now to see Dermot talk about 
what he wants to do differently to, you know, how much more he wants to spend money that, you know, the, the, the family might not have. And that gets very, very annoying after a while. <laughs> what am I going to do with you? Um, I'm looking at this, yeah, detail that's yeah. done on the roof, I suppose. To me, it's new. Mm -hmm. To you, it was new. But it was always in your head, was it? Yeah, well, yeah. you're talking about the lead tray. Yeah. Yep. Works, doesn't it? It wasn't on the drawings, thus it's not in the bill, thus we've no money for it. It's typical of Dermot, and as he admitted, he didn't ask me about it because he knew I'd say no, because for a very good reason we don't have the money. This is a very typical Dermot scenario. Yeah, you can see the opinions being shared on Twitter a lot during these type of shows. Like it's very much double screening in that you're watching the show, but you're tweeting at the same time. And people do point that out, Chris, really, don't they? That like... I don't think the client asked for that. Like there's a certain element of maybe Dermot Bannon has an idea and he wants to push it through. Do you think when people are tweeting, Kirsty, they're actually thinking about the, because they do share their opinions, but people do get a little bit harsh as well, don't they really? Yeah, yeah, they do. Like it's a very personal thing seeing inside someone's house and it's it's very difficult not to kind of compare yourself um, with that. And I do... Um, I do agree with what Chris is saying. Like sometimes it can be a little, some of the comments uh, can be a little on on the nose. Um, but having said that, like I, like Room to Improve to me isn't like the ultimate, like it's not my ultimate makeover show. Like I, I really preferred like your um, changing rooms and stuff like that because that was so nuts. Like, you know, like you're talking about the fight Dermot had over, oh, blue cabinets or not. But like in Room to Improve, like, someone would mention in passing that they liked cinema and they would, or not room to improve, in changing rooms, someone would mention in passing they liked cinema or Charlie Chaplin and they would do up an entire room as a mausoleum to Charlie Chaplin. Like it was so <laughs> insane. And I really missed that, that kind of insanity and the fact that it was like done on such a tight budget. And um, that really appealed to me about those shows. Like I, I liked those because they were so insane. Now they don't really work anymore because that DIY kind of a little um, kind of uh, rough around the edges has now very much moved on to like YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that. But but I do, I do miss uh, the kind of, maybe unpolished uh, ness of, uh, of changing rooms and programmes like that. Yeah, I think actually, Kirsty, the UK shows, they tend to show a more serious side to the building or the design process as well. What a magnificent building, eh? We have a clip here from Grand Designs on Channel 4 where this gentleman, Ed Short, he tried to build his dream lighthouse home on a clifftop in Devon. No wonder so many of us dream of living in one or, or for that matter, even building one. But... Beware that siren call, because if a lighthouse has a single message that it shouts out, it is this, stay away or risk destruction. Yeah, if there's one huge guilt that I have over everything is the impact on the family. I mean, so there's an the, obvious absence today, and that is Hazel. Uh, is she still part of your life? No, she, we just, we, we parted company last year uh, I mean, it's, I put her through a horrendous time with this, you know, knocking the family home down, not building another one, all our money into it. No one's got any idea what the outcome is. I don't even get so much worse than that for a partner. So um, that's, that's the guilt. I, I have to take it on the chin. My ambition and vanity has is, is probably collapsed the marriage. So And the clips like that can just show how heartbreaking it can be for people because they've put their whole life savings into some of these projects. We don't see that as much in Ireland, but in, in the UK, on Grand Designs especially, we can 
revisit homes and families and marriages have broken down and designs were never finished. Chris, I think possibly the shows in the UK show a little bit more of the serious or the realistic side to building homes from scratch, do they? Yeah, potentially. And there's something about, you know, the shows that we have here, for instance, Room to Improve, a couple selling a house and then using that money to build the next one. I mean, you know, viewers are going to look at that and they're going to find the relatable situation. With the episode that you mentioned of Grand Designs, you were talking about a couple, well, you were talking about one man who let his, you know, um, vanity just run riot and also his dream was just impossible and it, and it resulted in the end of his marriage. He was he was spending millions on this lighthouse on the edge of a cliff. And that's not relatable for most of the viewers at home. You know, they're not going to own a lighthouse on the edge of a cliff. And it it, it probably stands as one of the most disastrous, uh, you know, home improvement shows on television anywhere in the world because, you know, the project wasn't finished. Uh, you're talking about, so I think at one stage, am I right in saying that he took out a loan for three million and that wasn't even enough to, to, to finish the project? Yeah. Uh, and I think it was finished at one stage and now you can actually, or at least the last time I checked last year, you could actually buy it and it was all set up and ready to go but that didn't matter i mean that it ruined him and it ruined his marriage and he and he admitted this so you know that was painful but also heartbreaking television i'm not sure if we've ever had you know something along those lines on on, on, on an irish home improvement show i mean another one that no sorry i was just gonna say but i have to say i do like that there's an element to the realism of, of the budget in some time like i know because the budgets are so big on grand designs but like kevin mcleod does come in and say like and how much are you over? And what are the implications going to be for that? And that I sometimes find is very much missing in like your home of the year. Like how much did this actually cost? Because you do want to know that. And in Room to Improve, like you said, Chris, sometimes Dermot's egging them on to spend a bit more. Whereas I do find like the, the fact that they show that on, on Grand Designs made you kind of realize this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy money that these yeah. people are spending, which you know, also, even if you couldn't relate to the project, you could kind of relate to kind of the, how insane it was. Yeah. And also, I feel like the money issue in, in the Irish television shows, it's always this kind of shameful secret at the end. You know, how much did it cost? Whereas in the UK, they will actually focus the whole show on it and they're completely transparent about what it will cost. I remember one show in particular, Chris, um, The Lighthouse reminded me of grand designs of this couple and they built this huge mansion covered in turf and grass. It was meant to be incorporated into the beautiful Devon hillside. And there was a return show and Kevin McLeod returned to this huge, I mean, it must have had eight bedrooms and it was just the guy there living on his own because he admitted to the camera the stress was too much and their marriage had broken down. Isn't it amazing, Kirsty, that these people actually agreed to share their story this like this on television? Yeah, it is incredible. I think that, like, the thing is, is that we, at one level, it's just a house and it's just a property and it's just a build, but they're never just that things. These are hugely emotive um, subjects and, and money is emotional and housing is emotional. And you can detach yourself and kind of when you sign up, think, I'm just going to go in, maybe I'll get like a cheeky 10% off building my house if I do this TV show. But inevitably, you're going to get completely caught up in it because it is your home. And a lot of us do kind of think of our homes as an extension of ourselves. So it kind of, and the stakes are so high for these people that it doesn't surprise me sometimes how much they end up kind of exposing themselves on their on their personal journey on it. Yeah, Chris, I wonder if we are looking for something a little bit more heartwarming because these stories can be quite tough to watch sometimes. 
our show here, DIY SOS, like it's very much, you know, sit down with your cup of tea and it's always a heartwarming story, a family who need a dig out and the whole community comes in and helps out. You were the reason this is going to happen. He was literally building his dream here and then life gets in the way. This was his dream. You are going to finish his dream. That's really kind of ideal home improvement comfort TV, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even something like, uh, again, going back to Room to Improve, uh, the, the the first episode of the new season, uh, I was pleased to see that it did come with, you know, a, a human interest angle. And, you know, it was a joy to, you know, well, uh, very upsetting to, to, to watch at times, you know, this, this project just look as though it was going nowhere. But for the dailies, they wanted, they were building this house with their son, Liam, in mind, who was autistic, and they wanted to build a sensory room. And that meant that, you know, the builders and the, uh, the quantity surveyor and then Dermot Bannon himself they had to kind of, you know, just basically keep their mouth shut and listen to what that meant and what, what, what you know, and they were kind of stepping into this life that they knew nothing about. Um, and, and that part of the show was informative and educational and engaging and, and emotional. And, and I think more stories like that, you know, it's a weird thing to ask for more kind of emotional television when it comes to home improvement shows, but that's what keeps them, that's what keeps them not interesting for viewers, but, you know, it, it's what changes, you know, uh, a very familiar and stale pattern. We want to see these, you know, inspiring stories. We want to, you know, the people are as memorable as the homes. Um, so I'd like to see more of that if possible. So Chris, you're sitting in the TV producer chair and that's your suggestion as for a home improvement improvement on our shows in Ireland. Kirsty, if you could do anything, how would you change them up? How would you improve them at the moment, do you think? Um, I don't know. Like, I do think, like, I kind of very much have a limit on how much of these shows I can watch. And that that is partially because I rent and there is um, when you're renting and like the prospect of owning a home is a mirage. The prospect of then having enough money to then do that house up is even further removed. And I think a lot of people like it's like a self-preservation thing. You can't I can't like overload on these shows because it's just kind of like after all, you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> because you are very limited when you're renting and what you can do um, with your house. But I guess, like like Chris says, some some variety and also maybe like, maybe just, I'd love to see just more extreme taste. Like there's a very, very specific look in a lot of the homes that we see on these, um, on these programs. And it's kind of like, you know, lots of greys and, and a, and a uh, kitchen island and lots of windows. I'd love just to see a bit more personality in the actual style of the homes. You know, I I kind of think sometimes on Room to Improve, you're like, yes, it's more the same. Whereas you want it to be kind of like, oh my God, I, I never would have thought of that someone could have done that with that space. Yeah, that's a good point, Kirsty. Also the thought about, you know, this aspiration when we sit down and we just want to buy a home so bad and we're watching these shows. Chris, is there somewhat of a contradiction there? Because you know, Ireland is in the middle of a housing crisis and we have so many young people in their 20s and 30s and 40s who are never going to be able to buy a home for themselves in the next few years. Yet we have this obsession with home improvement shows. What's going on there? Oh, it's extraordinary. It's a paradox I'll never understand. 536,000 people tuned into Room to Improve, 400,000 people, you know, either watching it live or, or, or on the player tune, tune into Home of the Year. Really interesting take on Irish vernacular architecture. This is a big black box that's been plunked in the landscape and therefore shouldn't work. But because of the form and the shape of the architecture and the materials used, 
We all identify it as a hay barn. And we are in the middle of a housing crisis and there are people watching who will never be able to afford to buy their own home. Um, I don't understand this, but maybe, you know, and I'm in the same position as Kirsty. Like I, I it, it could be a case of we're watching and hoping, but also kind of, you know, you are sitting there and you're taking notes in your head and you're wondering, okay, when I am hopefully able to buy my own home, I'm, I might do it like that. I definitely wouldn't do it like that. That's maybe one of the most in, in, enjoyable, but also frustrating elements for me. Um, but I just, I don't understand, you know, there is this uh, the depressing atmosphere where so many viewers will never be able to do what the people on these shows are doing, which is an extraordinary thing. Even I, I and wasn't Kirsty also talking about how, you know, if young people, uh, I'm not sure if I fall into that category anymore, young-ish, uh, people, <laughs> if, you know, if they if they stop getting their, their morning coffee and their Netflix and gym subscriptions, they'd be able to afford a house. It doesn't help matters when you have people like Kirstie Alsop coming out with outlandish, nonsensical viewpoints like that. Um, so, I, I, you know, where I'm going with all this, I'm not really sure, but I don't understand the connection between the huge popularity in home improvement shows and, you know, it, it, at a time when the viewers can't afford homes their own. Sometimes I kind of, when I'm watching those shows, I'm like, is this the like property equivalent of, you know, when you've broken up with someone and you can't stop listening to sad music? <laughs> like, I'm like, is this so divorced from my reality that I have to watch it like as almost a self-flagellation? I don't know. It's just, and, and like, that's why I said, like, maybe me and Chris are on the same page and that I can't, I could not binge watch the, these this sort of programming in the way I could binge watch other because it does wear you down after a while, you know. That's a fair point, Kirsty. It is. So if we are, and those avocado comments as well, Chris. I mean, they can only rile and annoy people up when they're in a situation like they are at the moment financially. So, guys, to wrap up, we have um, a question. If you were to choose one of these shows to go on yourself, Chris, which one would it be? Any home improvement show. You have to put yourself out there now. Home, family, the whole thing. Your your sob story. Oh, um, could I have Kevin from Grand Designs uh, present Room to Improve? But then it would just be Grand Designs, wouldn't it? Um, I, I, you know what? I wouldn't mind working with Dermot Bannon as long as we just uh, signed a few contracts in advance to say that I'm not going to go with the colors that you want and you're going to let me maybe incorporate some of my own tastes. Um, and we might have to, you know, just... Be, we, there would be several arguments about the budget too. Maybe room to improve. I'm not too sure about home of the year. I don't think I'd be able to take it if I put my home on home of the year and you, Wallace, didn't like it. I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> Kirsty, would you be opting for a flashback, a throwback to changing rooms or would you go for something different? I would definitely do changing rooms just because I would love to see how how they would destroy my house. <laughs> terrible design. And also, I just think they were such a fun group of presenters like Linda, Handy Andy, Carol Smiley um, and Lawrence. Like, I just, I think you would have actually the most fun but probably be left with the worst type of house <laughs> it would be an experience you know I'd pay to see your your the shot of you come in the door Kirsty, with with the hands up to your mouth what did they do to my house <laughs> it was just always so it was something it was like just always so it was like a fever dream every room that they created you were just like oh, like what was what was going on in your head when this happened? It was just always never what you, you could never anticipate what they were going to end up with. And I, I like the unpredictability of that. And I don't think you have that in some of the property shows we've got at the moment, like uh, like Room to Improve. I don't think you've got that element of surprise or craziness. 
So I think we're all in agreement, whether we love or hate a good old before or after. I think we can certainly talk about them forevermore. Thank you so much for joining us, Kirsty and Chris. My thanks there to Irish Independent feature writer Kirsty Blake Knox and TV critic Chris Wasser. I'm Denise Callanan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Siobhan McGuire, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, and sound by John Smith. Clips were from Your Home in Their Hands and Changing Rooms on the BBC, Grand Designs on Channel 4, and from RTE, we have Room to Improve, produced by Coco Content. Home of the Year produced by Shinawil and DIY SOS produced by Motive Television. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.